A movie. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Quit, quit, quit. Strawberry banana. If they plop, please don't aggregate this. Lillard, long range three. Ah! Their defense is atrocious. atrocious. I'm, I'm sorry, the rocks are. Tiso is the official watch of the NBA. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about aggregation. I'm oddly intrigued by neck tattoos. Well, we love China. We love no plan there. Oh, man. Oh, man. I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. It's just hitting hit me right, right now. Shut up and listen. You, you think you're better than me? Hey! hey, guys. It's Chris. Quick note here at the top of the show. Um, in case you haven't figured it out, Ben and I are in the midst of yet another one of our uh, deep dive investigations. We decided that we wanted to do something of a thorough examination of the 1991 WWF Royal Rumble with our good friend and collaborator, Chris Noble, a.k.a. the Trash Bag Ghost. In the event that you missed uh, our first episode in this series, Chapter 1, it came out a couple days ago. Feel free to hit pause on that one. Find it, Chapter 1 of the uh, 1991 Royal Rumble Deep Dive. It's sort of a macroscopic uh, discussion of what was happening in the world at the time of this event. Um, The United States' involvement in the Iraq War, the Persian Gulf War, which began uh, a matter of two days before the uh, the Royal Rumble began, um, so it's sort of a a, a thematic sort of a sort of overarching thing that um, hangs over this event. And uh, yeah, go find that episode, listen to it if you haven't already, and uh, when you're ready, hop into this one. Today we're going to talk about uh, some of the first couple events of the Royal Rumble, the undercards. Um, We're going to be talking about uh, Rowdy Rowdy Piper, Gorilla Monsoon. We're going to be talking about uh, the Ultimate Warrior and and Sherry Martell and the Macho Man and the Big Boss Man and, and all your favorites. So here it is without further ado, the 1991 Royal Rumble. We have a bit of a pre-game, uh, pre-match um, introduction here from Gorilla Monsoon and Rowdy Rowdy Piper. They are introduced, Ben, as our essentially our hosts for the evening. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Piper is going a solid 150 miles an hour here at the top oh of the show. Oh, my God. something that we'll talk about throughout the duration of the evening is just what Piper brings to the table. His unbridled enthusiasm um, really colors the entire night. Um, 100%. Yeah, he's incredible. The thing that really is unique about Piper, and and we can kind of try to put our finger on this throughout the the podcast, is 
he almost doesn't understand that the wrestlers in the ring can't hear him because he will often like <laughs> scream advice. He will often, you know, w- try to warn someone when someone is running, you know, down into the mm-hmm. ring, whether it's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, fabulous Sherry Martell or, um, you know, the Macho King or whatever it is. Um, he'll try to warn people. Uh, you know, it's, it's a very unique perspective. Um, and, uh, yeah, Piper, uh, of course, makes a, a direct appeal to the troops, talking directly to the camera. He wants them home safe. He wa- you know, he's he's wearing that yellow ribbon around his arm, and yeah, um, he says the only yellow streak in this building tonight is on my arm, um, meaning that there are no cowards in the building. There's no no one no one is yellow. The only yellow is is that ribbon sure. around his arm. Yeah, he is he is amped to the nines. Um, I mean, can we also talk briefly about his his uh, his outfit? Sure. Um, for the night, he's got a a light pink shirt um, unbuttoned down to his belt, um, which of course holds up his Scottish kilt. Um, and the pink shirt is covered by this unbelievable. I mean, Chris, I'm sure you knew um how i would react as soon as i saw this the acid washed yes. denim jacket oh my god um with a yeah with the with the right over the 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 unbuttoned uh pink shirt with the like kind of sleeves rolled up um yeah chest just bare and glorious um i mean he's just like feeling himself um uh incredible drip and yeah he's uh like i don't know what you know what drugs he took uh prior to um the 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 cameras rolling um i will say he's able to maintain that energy like for the solid duration of of the of the event um you said it but that he was so wound up in in the beginning of the show he maintained that without a single dip energy right to the very end he was at 11 the whole darn time I mean, yeah, it is, he really it was. Is, is it fair to wonder if he took some sort of drugs? Like, uh, it was my my first. He was like, touching. Thought. I will say, he was touching his nose yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. A lot of this. A lot of um, this. yeah. I, I I don't want to make any assumptions, but let's say if he wasn't on some sort of drugs, that's a miracle because the guy was just. I mean, if he flying. wasn't, he was literally the only wrestler in the building that wasn't. Exactly. Um, this was this was the WWF in 1991. Um. And that is not a funny joke. It's actually very sad and tragic as well. Uh, I mean, I don't want to dwell too much on the uh, the number of participants in this event that are no longer with us. Um, but uh, yeah, that there there is. I mean, boy, that's yeah, a dude, whole other. There like, is there is a you know. tragic um, uh, correlation between like the energy and the superhuman nature that these guys had to bring mm-hmm. to the ring and in Piper's case, mm-hmm. to bring to the booth. And, you know, the, the performance of being a superhero is just that. It's a performance. It's, it's not real. So at some point, like, we, would, we should have a conversation about, like, what these guys actually had to do to summon the the strength or the energy or whatever it is to yeah. uh, perform, you know, superhuman for us, you know, the audience at home. Yeah, no, they quite literally killed themselves for our entertainment, um, in, in 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 very very many cases. Um, yeah, um, I mean, right. I, I think we can kind of like 
no, no, no. Discuss that at a, at a, yeah. at a later point. Yeah. Because we don't want to get too, too dark That's right a off the bat here. For a different before, day. before the first bell even rings. But, um, so let's yeah, hop, I mean, let's hop into the first one then. Uh, our, our first match here, um, well, I would be yeah remiss if I didn't mention Gorilla Monsoon in his trademark uh, cardinal red blazer. He's got the the, the aviators on uh, those blue tinted glasses. Man, the, the, <clears throat> an iconic look that the, is just the seared, red bow tie. My memory. Yeah, he looks like a million bucks. You know, it's a pay per view event. This is a prime time uh, event here. And uh, our our first match of the evening, Ben, is between the Orient Express. Uh, and the Rockers, the Orient Express is Tanaka and uh, Sato. So this is a uh, quick little backstory. It's a little confusing with this with this tag team. Um, they had just recently kind of been rebranded. So in the the Orient, Orient Express um, formed in in 1990, um, and it was made up of, of Pat Tanaka, who was actually Hawaiian, and um, uh, Akio Sato. Mm-hmm. Managed by Mr. Fuji, the legendary Mr. Fuji, um, who, um, side note, also Hawaiian. So Sato decided to leave the, um, the WWF uh, in sort of late 1990. Um, so instead of breaking up the tag team, WWF decided to replace him um, with a guy named Paul Diamond, uh, whom Tanaka had uh, previously wrestled with as a tag team bad company in uh, some other promotions in like, the late 80s. So Diamond replaces Sato, um, but because Paul Diamond, as you might guess from his name, is doesn't even uh, look uh, vaguely uh, Asian. Um, they put a mask on him and uh, and to conceal his nationality, his ethnicity, and they renamed him Kato. <laughs> so Sato was replaced with Kato, and the Orient Express was now billed as the new Orient Express. Um, and uh, th- this was actually one of only two uh, pay-per-views they wrestled together, uh, the other one being the 1992 Royal Rumble. Um, so, uh, kind of, kind of a, sh- a short-lived, uh, you know, sort of re- reinvention of, of the Orient Express. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they were, uh, they were a great, uh, great team and, and the sort of chemistry that, that they had, um, made sense since, uh, Tanaka and, uh, and Diamond, AKA Kato had, um, a lot of experience wrestling together Wait, previously. So, you, so you're telling me the guy in the mask is not Asian? No, uh, certainly not. That's actually um, news to me too. You went deep on this one, Ben, and I. I yeah, I know. That's amazing. <laughs> you, yeah, that's uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry if that's yeah. That, that might be a little too much information, but I'm afraid that that's kind of the level I'm going to be working at for uh, for the next uh, three hours, guys. Jesus so, Christ. Um, <laughs> So we had the New Orient Express versus the Rockers, who are Shawn yes. Michaels and Marty Jannetty. Oh, listen to this. When you hear this ovation, all the Uh, gentlemen, your, your referee, your referee for this uh, for this match is going to be the Fink. No, no, no. Fink was the was the ring announcer. Oh, the Howard ring Finkel. announcer. Excuse no, me. Yeah, yeah. Not not the ref. Yeah. Any any general thoughts, observations about the match? 
Um, I don't know if we have necessarily the time to go through a blow by blow here, but just any sort of general observations, things that things that jumped off the page at you um, or jumped off the screen at you. It was great, great to see Mr. Fuji back out there. Haven't it been mm-hmm. a minute since I checked in with Mr. Fuji. Yeah, Fuji. Fuji was was an amazing manager. Yeah, we uh, we we noted uh, or, or kind of alluded to um, uh, Hot Rod's uh, racism, uh, and uh, he he gets going early here, um, uh, commenting on the Orient Express. And I want you to check these two guys out here. They were back there gnawing on raw fish. I saw them about fifteen minutes ago. Um, thank you, Hot Rod, for that bit of color. Um, that is a uh, a nice little detail. Gnawing on raw fish. A uh, couple of couple of animals. Piper and Monsoon <laughs> also uh, making the point that the Rockers have superior communication uh, than the Express uh, because mm-hmm. the, the Orient Express take all their orders from Mr. Fuji. Mr. Fuji directly communicates to them uh, how they should be wrestling. And uh, Monsoon notes that they might have trouble hearing uh, the directions tonight over tonight's capacity crowd at Miami Arena. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of the Rockers, I want to say, like, this was so... Chris, uh, Ghost, that is, correct me if I'm wrong, this was the the very first... this was the very first um, pay-per-view that you and I had ever watched together. This is, was the first time, like, I started, you know, I, I became a wrestling fan, you know, sort of, like, casually, I think. Like, uh, I remember my, my grandpa used to put it on um, and, and, like, watch it with me before I was, like, really old enough to kind of, like, understand what it even was. But, but, but thinking, like, whoa, this is, like, crazy and wild. And then by, like, 1990, I was, like, fully, fully on board, like, watching the Saturday morning, you know, whatever, like, wrestling WWF superstars, I think, uh, was the show on, like, USA. Um, and then there were, like, some weeknight shows, if I was, like, lucky enough to catch those uh, before my bedtime. Um, so I was, like, ramping up aggressively. Um, but um, But this was the very first time that it was, like, I, my fandom had reached a, a, a fever pitch to the point where I actually, as a, I guess I was nine years old at this point, uh, in 91. No, no, I turned, I was eight. I turned nine in, in August of 91. So yeah, I was still eight years old. Anyway, uh, this was the first time I actually had the, like, just the, like, I, I, I couldn't hold back anymore. I had to actually ask my parents if they could order this on pay-per-view, um, so we could watch it. So this was our first experience watching, like, like a, a a level up of from anything that I'd ever consumed or experienced as a wrestling as a young wrestling fan. Um and so there was this like it was such a huge deal and there was this like excitement like even beyond, you know, all the, the geopolitical context that we discussed, even beyond like Hulkamania, it was more just the the novelty and like like holy shit, like we you know, I was like my parents paid what, like for this thing. I don't even know. But like, it was a big, big ask. It was a big deal that they agreed to do it. It was a big thing, like just technologically to be like, Oh, how does this even work? Like, are we, is this like, all right. So like you call a number, you give your credit card information, then you have to like change, like, uh, like go to a a special like channel on your, on your cable box that you'd never been to before. And like, is it going to come through? Like, is this actually going to work? And then it, and then it comes through and suddenly like the thing starts and you're like, holy shit, like this is happening. Like this is actually, this is like a totally new and different thing than anything we've ever experienced. And the very first fucking like, like taste of that 
is this tag team, the Rockers. And this, uh, again, I only discovered like later on in research, this would go down as like one of the greatest opening matches in any pay-per-view event in, in WWF history. Like this one, like is like really, really well regarded. Um, and, and like, you know, whatever. whatever. <laughs> like, it's an incredible, just, yeah, uh, the choreography. And I usually don't appreciate that aspect of professional wrestling. I'm in it for the absolute, like, uh, just uh, superhuman, subhuman, crazy people, and the look, right. and the yeah, the characters. Like, yeah, this was like I, even I could appreciate. Just it was high flying, beautiful choreography, action. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really like holds up. I was like still like, whoa, like holy shit, like oh man, look at look at that. Like it was still like just from a pure aesthetic standpoint. Um and I mean we have to talk about like the Rockers as a tag team, like their look, their energy, like sprinting down the aisle, high-fiving everybody. I mean, they're fucking their fucking outfits, like that electric blue and neon green, like again, that basically like set my <clears throat> my like taste like standards. For like the next like five like every like pair of sneakers or like a ski jacket that I like got for Christmas like anything like any piece of apparel that I like asked my parents to buy me like I pretty much wanted to be like that exact color scheme that like it was just so like early nineties like rock and roll like just perfectly um, like crafted and like thought out and like matched the energy of like the guys and yeah it was just I mean they're they're opening like rock and roll intro music love of the rockers that's dripping from ben's voice right now it's <laughs> no exaggeration this isn't looking at history through no. class i'll tell you why because i have this distinct recollection of just you having this total fixation about uh, marty Janetti. i mean I marty marty was was name, my guy your yeah name, ben craw with the name marty Janetti. Uh, just uh, you talk about the man ceaselessly, uh, and I, I love Marty. Attraction, but now I do. Um, but I, you know, I was more into like the earthquakes of the world and the whole thing, <laughs> just like insane, bulging, like insane, like caged animals. But yeah. you were going on about Marty Janetti, and you know, I appreciated. I, but I never really. You might remember those. Attempts to get me engaged in a Marty Jannetty conversation never really gained much traction. I kind of just let them roll over me. You're my friend. Said, okay, you're my, my friend. Oh boy, here goes Ben again, going off on Marty. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll humor him. Marty sure. Crow, what what about Marty Jannetty? Out of curiosity, do you do you remember? Can you put your finger on it? Like, what about Marty Jannetty? Did you love so much? Yeah, I got that in my notes. I need to ask that as well. So, uh, double doubly questioning you on that well it was just like the foil like so Shawn michaels was like the blonde kind of like pretty boy he had like the bleach blonde hair um and was like a little bit more of like a hot dog marty Janetti was more like the meat and potatoes like you know hard hat <laughs> yeah lunch bag kind of guy um and he was brunette and for you know that's like <laughs> weirdly important i i always was just like oh yeah like brown haired guys are like because i have brown hair <laughs> Like it wasn't that much more complicated than that. Also, his name was Marty, um, which was the same first name as Marty McFly, one of my you know greatest uh, childhood icons, idols, heroes. So he had a lot of things working for him. Um, he was and just kind of like another... the blue collar guy in in the group. 
Yeah, and also, um, as we'll discuss in this match, he, he kind of plays the, the hero. So throughout much of this match between the Rockers and Orient Express, um, Shawn Michaels is the, um, the wrestler playing a uh, sort of a, um, a tag team trope, the uh, face in, in peril, which is when like, one of the tag team partners is like, you know, wailed on for just like, this interminable amount of time. And like can't make the tag, you know, it keeps getting like close call. Oh no, then the bad guys pull him back in and beat on him some more. And so that builds up the tension and the drama so that when the tag finally is made, called a hot tag, um, the other uh, you know, babyface tag team partner comes in and, and comes to his rescue and saves the day. So Marty was the guy who came in and saved the day and saved Shawn Michaels. Um uh in, in this particular match. So that just, you know, I was just like, Oh, like Marty's the like, I don't know. He uh and of course like Later on, uh, as any wrestling fan knows, the uh, you know the, the big double cross when when Shawn Michaels uh, turns on Marty Jannetty, um, throws him through the window on the I believe it was the Brother Love show, um, and uh, and the and the Rockers you know broke up and and Shawn went on to uh, his uh, very storied uh, you know solo wrestling career. Um, uh, that you know that really broke my heart. I was like, oh, I knew it. I knew Shawn was the fucking asshole in the group. Like Marty would never have done something like that. <laughs> So it all just kind of confirmed my, uh, my, my suspicions. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So shout out to Marty Jannetty. Um, and for my, for my money, the, uh, the better half of the rockers. Yeah. I just wanted to, to shout out, like ghost was talking about this before. These guys really were incredible athletes. Like there's that moment where Shawn Michaels is thrown into the turnbuckle in the oh, corner yeah. and flips over the turnbuckle and spins around like, yeah, it was like these guys are incredible acrobats. I mean, yeah, um, he flips over the turnbuckle, and then like a second later, Tanaka comes over, gives him a crescent kick to the face, so that he flips back over the ropes into the ring. Um, yeah, he was just like a ragdoll out there, just like throwing his body around, spinning. Um, yeah, somehow like always landing on his feet. Um, yeah, I mean, this match really was like ahead of its time in terms of like just the aerial like choreography. Um, I mean, there's there's like so many great little spots, like the uh, the karate belt spot, just like that that like slapstick of um, you know when they're they're trying to uh, I think it was against Michaels when the um, Orient Express are like trying to like hit him with their with their karate belt stretched um, between oh, yeah. their hands, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Michaels ducks once and then comes up and jumps on the belt that which pulls the two guys together so their heads collide. Um, there's just like so many like spots like that throughout the match where it's just like. Yeah, it's like a Jackie Chan film where you're just like watching like just beautiful choreographed action. Yeah, man. And it's like I, I, I thought about this at a certain point during the match where it was like who like who becomes a wrestler? Who like who would be qualified to to do this? It is literally someone that is part uh, a professional bodybuilder, part like mm-hmm. aerial aerobicist, um, part like hype man part actor like actor yeah yeah, huge part of it it's like someone that is a trained actor is a is a professional bodybuilder has like the hyper flexibility to to pull off these things has the physical ability to recover from these brutal brutal falls and kicks oh yeah um night in and night out i mean yeah we want to get into like just the, the schedule that these guys were on. Um, and then, man, also yeah, just, just, like, has the, frankly, like, the 
insanity to do whatever it took, you know, like Mm -hmm. we were talking about like performance enhancing substances and drugs and whatever, like you have to be someone that wants it so bad that you don't care what, you know, frankly, like the rest of your life could maybe look like because you, you know, this is a short, this is a, this is a sprint. This is not like a long-term marathon that these guys were living here. Yeah. For most of the guys, for sure. Yeah. 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 No, it's really, it's, it's like, as a, as an adult now, like looking back on 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 this stuff, it, you have like such a, like a deeper appreciation, um, yeah, for for their talents. It's really, yeah. All right. So it's, in the, it's a lot. in the interest of time, I'm going to keep us moving. But so in in the end, we have the uh, the Rockers defeating the Orient Express. Setting it up. Look out! You believe him? Sean is back in the ring. I mean, the, the ending is awesome. Again, just like part of the, the, the beautiful choreography throughout. But there's, there's this like ending that involves all four men. Um, yeah, Michaels is on the top rope. He gets launched by, by Marty, but Tanaka rushes over and, and clobbers Marty. So Sean falls um, all the way from the top turnbuckle to the, to the outside ring mat. So he's like out of the picture. And it looks like a two-on-one situation. Um, Kato does a slingshot catapult yeah. on Marty into a big chop from Tanaka. Um, and then he goes for the same move again, only this time Michaels um, has miraculously recovered uh, from outside the ring, climbs back in just in the nick of time. So he nails Tanaka. So the Tanaka is like doubled over behind Kato, um, who has uh, who still has uh, uh, Marty's uh, feet under his arm armpits um, for the, the slingshot move. Um, Michaels comes over, hits Kato so that he goes into the sling. So he falls back, which launches Marty into the slingshot. Um, but Marty... <laughs> Marty flies over Tanaka, who's still doubled over from from the Michaels hit, and does a sunset flip over him, um, and and pins him for the one two three. It's literally like this this like sequence that's like this like synchronized like dance between four men. Wait. It all has to be timed perfectly. Um, Ghost Ben and- has all these moves down. He has the terminology yeah, I, on. I am blown away. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I promise I'll Ghost, I'll, I'll take full a step confession. Back at some I have point. no idea what a fucking sunset flip is. <laughs> what What is he talking about? <laughs> sorry, guys. I'm sorry. No, it's you're you're technical. We, we need this. We need this at the same time. Two things can be true at once. I feel so inadequate. Uh, last moment with you, Ben. Uh, what are you talking I won't, about? I won't go this. I won't go this deep. No, 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 ending, no, no. I really. You say it again. Tell us the entire sequence of how Marty. I just have to do it justice. It's beautiful. How, it's tell beautiful. us. Justice. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Give us the sequence again. A, One last a time. Technical breakdown. My, my my simpleton thoughts on this match are the two last bullet points I have here are another hit from the uh, Rowdy Rowdy Piper School of Cultural Sensitivity. He, mm. he did point out that uh, Mr. Fuji goes by the, quote, traditional Japanese custom of, as we all know, beat them when they make a mistake. Everyone knows that. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing I can say is that at, finally, after 30 years, uh, along with Ben, I'm now a card-carrying member of the Marty Gennetti fan club. Yeah, yeah. There we go. There we go. Yes, I did it. I finally did it. I wore you down. Much, much, much like, uh, much like Tanaka going to work on those pressure points in the trapezius. 
um, which uh, which Monsoon just lo- loves to to talk about those trapezius muscles. Um, yeah, I knew I, I knew I would finally uh, finally dra- drain enough life force out of you so that you would come to my side. Um, yeah, um, uh, I had one more oh one more quick little note, which is that at a certain point, this kind of blew me away. Um, the crowd. So if if there's any question as to like what kind of you know mindset the, the, these fans in the stands are in at uh, at the eight fifteen mark. A chant of USA breaks out in the crowd. Um, now, reminder, um, you know this match is not billed as like you know like built as 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 part of the you know the USA uh, you know versus Iraq storyline. These, these are just two random tag teams. However, one of them happens to be foreign, uh, or at least you know it's billed from 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 being from Japan, the Orient Express. Um, so the crowd, knowing this, chants into a uh, breaks into a chant of USA to support their their American you know babyface heroes, the Rockers, against the I guess evil um, you know foreign. Uh, um, you know, fish, fish gnawing uh, monsters from from uh, from the Orient, from the, Epis- um, from the Pacific. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, mean, I just love that. Like, it's not even that the bad guys. They're. It's just like, well, they're not American, I mean, so we should. We have spe- to support our. Let's be more specific. It is two white guys versus two Asian guys, and, right. and not even two Asian guys. It's one Asian guy and another guy in an Asian mask. <laughs> Like, no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. One Hawaiian guy. Okay. Uh, one Hawaiian guy. Tanaka is Hawaiian, not Asian. Okay. Um, and the other guy, Paul Diamond. I don't know where he's from, but he is great. He's like from like Jersey, Michigan. Yeah, he's from. Yeah. You know what I mean? um, yeah, it is. It is uh, basically a celebration of like white maleness, um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, undeniable. But yeah, that is that is what wartime America looked like, where. Yeah, you know, you just rooted for us, which was yeah. white, white guys ver- versus anything that was, you know, a foreign uh, entity. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, of course, the crowd absolutely explodes uh, at the Rockers' victory. Uh, Hot Rod screams, "This place is going nuts, and it's just begun!" Rockers, you make me proud. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and uh, and I thought to myself, Hot Rod, you speak for me. You are my surrogate. All right, yeah. moving on here in the interest of time, we have a special message, Ben and Ghost, from the Macho King, Randy Savage. Oh, baby. This is back in oh, the dressing baby. room. Well, Macho King, Randy Savage, it is my understanding yeah. that you have a statement to make. Oh, yeah. I'm the greatest World Wrestling Federation champion ever, and I'm the number one contender for the title, and I don't care who tonight wins the title between Sergeant Slaughter and the Ultimate Warrior, because I got a commitment, yeah, from Sergeant Slaughter saying that if he wins the title, I'm the number one contender. Macho King, Randy Savage, that's all very interesting, but uh, aren't you getting a little ahead of yourself? What are you talking about, Sean? You better tell me right now. Can you tell me now that you've got that same commitment from the current World Wrestling Federation champion, the Ultimate Warrior? Sarcastic in your voice! You I know what you're talking about right now, but that commitment will come from the Ultimate Warrior in about a couple of seconds. Because Sensational Queen Sherry's gonna bait the Ultimate Warrior, and she's gonna bait him right now. Sensational Queen Sherry, there she is right now. You watch the Ultimate Warrior be a fool, because he is a fool, because he wouldn't make the commitment, but he's gonna make the commitment now. Well, there is something going on. Swearing that the Sensational Queen Sherry Martell will bait the Ultimate Warrior into giving the macho a title shot, Ben. 
yeah. uh, initial thoughts and reactions when you saw this here? I mean, this was this was a this was a major storyline uh, as the night unfolded. This was um, a big. So just to set this up a little bit um, uh, for anyone who doesn't remember. Macho Man Randy Savage won uh, the WWF uh, championship belt for the first time uh, back at WrestleMania 4 um, and then lost it, um, held it for an entire year and then lost it um, to uh, to Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 5, which of course was when the uh, Mega Powers exploded. Um, and, uh, and so he'd been champion for a year. This was now... That WrestleMania five was eighty eight. I want to say, uh, is that right? Or no, maybe eighty eighty nine. Uh, yeah, because WrestleMania seven was ninety one. Anyway, yeah. So he'd, um, you know, you'd had the belt and then he lost it. So Macho Man wanted that belt back. Um, he believed that it was rightfully his, um, and and he wanted that belt back. So the current champion, uh, Ultimate Warrior, because Ultimate Warrior had won the belt to uh sorry won the belt from hulk hogan at wrestlemania 6 um which was a uh, like a big kind of you know changing of the guard um you know a big uh, sort of upset at the time because um, warrior was this like sort of new up-and-coming uh guy that the the wwf was like putting this crazy push behind um so he was the wwf champion um and basically, like, sort of, he was the champion that I that I sort of knew, like, when I was introduced to wrestling. Like, I didn't really have much memories of, like, WrestleMania 5, like, 4, 5, like, even 6. I don't think I really remembered other than, like, you know, uh, kind of recap, like, highlight packages on, like, later shows. Um, so, um, so, Warrior was sort of, like, the WWF champion that I, that I knew when I, like, first started watching wrestling. Um, and of course he was being challenged, um, tonight by Sergeant Slaughter for the WWF championship. Um, so the backstory here is that Slaughter had promised, uh, Macho Man a shot at the belt, um, if he were to win it at the Royal Rumble. Now, um, what Savage, what, what Macho Man, wait, did I say, yeah, he, he promised Savage a shot at the belt, uh, if Slaughter won it. Um, what Savage wanted was a similar guarantee from Ultimate Warrior that if Warrior uh, retained the belt, that Savage would be given like basically the next crack at it, the next shot at it. Um, and um, and so in order to elicit that that promise, that guarantee from Ultimate Warrior, <laughs> the scheme that he hatched up, um, which he came right out and admitted right there on um, you know in the, in the locker room, um, he said. <laughs> First of all, God, I mean, I could I could talk for a solid three hours about Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, not my favorite wrestler at the time in 1991, but um, yeah. as I matured and learned more and 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 uh, absorbed more uh, of this content, I think he probably has to go down as like my my number one favorite. Yeah, um, I would say it, you know meeting you in your early 20s i would say like macho man really was your spirit animal like that yeah <laughs> um, really i now like looking back on it now i realize like you really were a direct product a, a direct extension from the macho king randy <laughs> savage ben i i mean i tried to to live my life um you know i, I tried to model myself uh, that way so thank you chris um for uh, for that compliment um, yeah, no, I, I mean, he was, he was the, in terms of just a, a sheer performer and like a, like just this, this character from like another world, another universe, Different planet, um, yeah. 
Yeah, like uh, there is just no one like him um, in in wrestling history. Um, no one did it the way he did it. And anyway, I don't want to get on a whole spiel about that because well, um, I'll just get sidetracked. But. Sure. While we're on Randy Savage, really quick, I'm wondering, Ghost, if you could give us a little comment or thought on his attire and his aesthetic, specifically those sunglasses. I'm very interested in what's happening with the sunglasses and the font on his jacket and his, and his hat. How would you describe this, uh, this look here? Yeah, let me get a good uh, freeze frame on him here. I mean, first of all, just, I mean, it's seared to my memory. It's simply mesmerizing those glasses. Mm-hmm. Let me get him framed up here, see uh, exactly what he's working with. Well, it was a look that had evolved, of course, over the years. And in the, in the 80s, he had, you know, equally flamboyant and, and ridiculous, um, but like kind of actually toned down by like 1991 standards um that's insane. where he had it was toned the down robe. by 91 this was toned down no no no. sorry i would say it was um his 80s attire was was sort of relatively tame compared to where he, where he got to in okay. the early 90s okay, okay. um with the so he had like the um the the shades that you mentioned chris like started out as like ski goggles um right. Uh, which he would 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 pair with like the the orange headband um, over his uh, you know his wild uh, mop of hair, um, and I that was like kind of the look that I preferred honestly. I, I think going back like that that ski goggle with like the orange trunks with the white stars, right, um, was kind of my my favorite Macho Man era. What were but then by sorry, but yeah, by now he had uh, he'd kind of evolved to this like cowboy hat yes. and like sunglasses. And then it just got more like so neon, it, more tassels. It appears to be like a leather, like a like a pink leather jacket with a matching pink cowboy hat, mm-hmm, and a lot mm-hmm. of tassels, some like graffiti, uh, you know, uh, uh, on on the jacket. Uh, go ahead, Ghost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can sum it up in one word, Chris, and it's the perfect reflection of the man who dons the apparel. It's it's just simply schizophrenic. It's. I mean, yes. there's nothing else to say. You got uh, the leopard pattern. You got the all kinds of different uh, typography going on on all down the sleeves. But frankly, the man was ahead of his time. That down the sleeve repeating print is all the rage in 2021, 2020 going into 2021. Yeah. So, I mean, in a certain sense, you know, much like a lot of insane people, they're ahead of their time or regardless yeah. of absolute trailblazer yeah um he he certainly was a trailblazer um yeah it's what can be said it's like a pink hot pink ski jacket with a Mm -hmm. cowboy hat uh yeah the fringe yeah like the 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 his incorporation of like kind of like cowboy imagery but into this like completely crazy neon futuristic it was like um, this weird like uh like Feminism meets cowboy meets biker meets uh, mm-hmm. rock yeah, some star, biker in like there. 80s rock star with like the bands and the tassels. The uh, the king, he he came from, you know, the heraldry and like wearing the yes. uh, purple robe. So he has the vestiges of the uh, the royalty, royalty in a certain way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, exactly. So, quick backstory though on that, which is important because it'll um, it'll it'll uh, inform some some of the events that are that are yet to come. But uh, he w- he didn't start out. You know, he was Macho Man. Um, uh, you know, when he became WWF champion. Um, but then he adopted the moniker Macho King. 
um, in, uh, in 1989, after defeating Jim Duggan in the uh, King of the Ring um, tournament in, in September 89. Um, so, you know, even though like King of the Ring was just like sort of a, a standard like, you know, pay-per-view event that, you know, had, had existed for a few years, um, he really embraced the fact that he was the king of the ring um, and just like like had this whole ceremony i think on a on a later um episode he had like an actual coronation um as the new quote king of the wwf um uh, and then very importantly it was in this um this coronation ceremony uh in which he became became the macho king uh it was in that ceremony in which uh he was given a gift that gift being the scepter the royal, you know, uh, scepter um, that he carried around with him all the time, and that uh, it turns out would would come to uh, to play a pretty critical role. And uh, and now, guys, as a little bit of trivia here, I want to ask if you can guess um, who gave uh, the Macho King that scepter. I have a feeling uh, you're about to tell us. Ben. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm stumped. None other than the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The dethroning of one Jim the Hacksaw Duggan, whose crown and robe are in a state of ravage. I now remove my mortar board and place it near my heart, and thus proclaim you Macho King Randy Savage. The Macho King, King Randy Macho. Wow. And Queen Sherry. Look at this. Look at that robe. And it says King on the back. I wonder if the King's going to share a few words with us. Wait a minute. The Million Dollar Man has a gift. A gift worthy only of a king. So to you, the newly crowned Macho King Randy Savage. I give you this gift. A king should never be without this golden scepter. Solid golden scepter. Let's take a look at Wow. Take a look at that, Jesse. I'm speechless, McMahon. I mean, admit the million dollar man does truly have a heart of gold, doesn't he? Yeah, let's move on to the sensational Queen Sherry Martell and the oh boy. The, the content of, of of what happens here. So Sherry Martell approaches. Uh, no, Sherry Martell um, goes to like a, a, a platform in the arena, mm-hmm. storms mm-hmm. out to this platform, and accompanied by Mean Gene, accompanied by Mean Gene, and makes this proclamation. Sensational Queen Sherry, what are you doing here tonight? a public challenge, Mean Gene. To who? To the ultimate warrior. Who else? Now, Sergeant Slaughter has promised the Macho King Randy Savage that should he win the WWF championship tonight, he has promised the Macho King that he will that he will grant him a championship match. Now, being the brave 
believe an honorable man that we all know Sergeant Slaughter is. Please. There is no doubt in my mind and in my heart that Sergeant Slaughter will do nothing more than grant and come through with every promise that he has acknowledged toward the kingdom of the madness. The ultimate warrior is as honorable as everyone seems to think that he is. However, I have my doubts. <laughs> ultimate warrior, if you can hear me right now, which I think you can, if you are as brave and honorable as everyone says you are, why don't you come right out here in front of everyone and accept my challenge? I kind of think he's yellow myself. I don't think you're brave. I don't think that you're even honorable. As a matter of fact, I think that you're yellow from the top of your head to the bottom of your toes. Well, first of all, I want to point out that there's um, the WWF uh, employs a really fun little technique where there's an actual picture in picture. So Macho Man has a monitor in his back in his dressing room, in his locker room, so that he's able to watch all of this, uh, all these proceedings unfold on on little TV monitor. So the WWF has a picture in picture so that they can you can see Macho Man watching the same thing that we're all watching on the main screen, the main picture, which is uh, Sherry. You know, yelling for Warrior to to come out. Um, you know, challenging his 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 courage, his his manhood. Um, but she says to start out, she says, "quote There is no doubt in my mind and in my heart that Sergeant Slaughter will do nothing more than grant and come through with every promise that he has acknowledged toward the kingdom of the madness." <laughs> <laughs> no, like when I when I heard that, I my ears perked like up. Like a fucking politician, man. I was. Like, I mean, wow. Yeah, talk about a tortured sentence grammatically. <laughs> but to conclude on that term, "Kingdom of the Madness," I thought to myself, "Wait a second, Kingdom of the Madness." Now that's something. I would really like to learn a little bit more about. Um, I, you know, if anyone out there has any like literature, you can point me toward <laughs> this kingdom of the madness. Um, very curious just to, to to know more about it, to to see, you know, what kind of what kind of life that 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 offers me. Um, I am uh, very very intrigued and um, and and curious about the kingdom of the madness um, and. Yeah, I just love that uh, that 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 like became a like a thing <laughs> that they decided to like. Yeah, he's the macho king, so we need him to rule over a a kingdom, um, and that kingdom is the kingdom of the madness. So it's a mindset, really. Yeah, yeah, it's a way of life, you know. Sherry Martell calls the Ultimate Warrior quote yellow from the top of his head to the bottom mm. of his toes. Oh boy! And this this irks the ultimate warrior, who mm-hmm. emerges from the locker room. Well, where are you at, warrior? Why don't you come on out here? I can tell you a few things about your precious ultimate warrior. I speak quiet. Oh, look out! You got it! 
that music starts up. Oh my yeah. god. Oh my god. I, yeah. yeah. You asked for it, you got it. Now, I have to tell you guys, the ultimate warrior to me was I don't know that he was my spirit animal, but this was one of my guys. Like I, I, I feel like, you know, oftentimes there were like Hogan people and warrior people. Um, mm-hmm. and maybe there are a few other uh uh kind of iconic wrestlers that we could um pepper into the conversation, but I was definitely like in the warrior sort of chaos camp. Um mm. and uh it is really fun to look back on this guy now as like an adult to really sort of dissect what was going on with him because he was just sheer nonsensical energy. Like his whole, his whole like superpower was just insane energy. (laughs) But if you like transcribe what he was saying, uh, it's, it's total gibberish really. Um, yeah, he's one of it's one of the more nonsensical gimmicks. I mean, they're all nonsensical, but his, his was, was really, really, just, really out there. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Really I mean, he hailed he hailed from parts unknown. He was like constantly referring to like the gods that he like took his like orders from. Um, yeah, yeah, it was very yeah, very very out there. I didn't appreciate this at the time, but like, you know, you accumulate more and more like context, historical and otherwise. And like, so he, he it really, I, I didn't dig deep on the Warriors like creation of this character, but it, it's a pretty deeply informed by just Native Americans, it seems like, especially mm. those dancers, which just meant nothing to me at the time. Like, the, you know, raising uh, hands to the heavens yep. and, uh, the, the stomps and all that. Uh, I think he was like, yeah, the, really, there was something uh, like a lot of inspiration. There was something like mythic about him where it was yeah, like absolutely. his, his, his history was like rooted in like Greek mythology or like you were saying, ghosts, like native American, like ancestry or something like there was something like sort of primal and like, it went back like many generations and, 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 uh, and like centuries even of, of history where he was like tapping into this like primal kind of energy. And as a 10 year old, I was just like, cool. He seems crazy. Like, yeah, yeah like I'm into it. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. So a uh, warrior emerges to that classic ecstatic music. He comes uh, running Some of the out. best intro music. Yes. And then we have, what I have decided, folks, is for me the most uncomfortable, you know, moment of the entire evening, which is Sherry Martell, uh, yeah. Sensational Queen, and Ultimate Warrior in a kind of like stare down here. And so Sherry Martell um, essentially tries seducing the warrior. Um, she uses like her like sex appeal basically to try to convince the ultimate warrior to promise uh, the macho king randy savage a title shot should he retain his his championship belt this evening mm-hmm. so Sh- sherry martell admires the warrior's lips and his eyes and at this point mm. she's now touching him she, she's not just using her words she's using her fingers she's touching his lips and his mm-hmm. hair and she's like slowly like inching that that incredible chest. jacket like off of his shoulders to to reveal his chest. She says, "You know, I've admired you for a long time, warrior. You know, I've looked into those great big beautiful hazel eyes of yours. 
fact, I've often looked at your lips and wondered what it would be like. And also, I've always looked at your chest and wondered what it would be like to touch your chest. As a matter of fact, I've often admired you from afar, warrior. The strong, broad, wide back. And your hair, it's, it's very wonderful. I've often wondered what it would be like seeing you with the wind blowing through your hair. So what's it gonna be, warrior? Are you honorable? Are you brave? Are you gonna give the Macho King a title match if you retain that belt tonight? Come on, warrior, can't you talk to me? Come on, what's it gonna be? Come on, warrior. Can't you say something to me? Oh, that's the most wonderful, the most thrilling thing that has ever happened to me. Please, as I look into your wonderful face, and I know the champion that you are and the honorable man that you are. I know that you would grant the Macho King his title shot. Come on, warrior. Are you gonna grant the Macho King a title match? Come on, warrior. Tell everybody what an honorable man that you are. What a brave and wonderful champion you are, warrior. What is it to you? She's sort of like massaging oh, yeah. his like triceps <laughs> and like his neck. She's like yeah. rubbing his chest. She unzips his jacket and she wonders what it would be like, she says, just to touch his chest. It's very oh. uncomfortable and very inappropriate for, again, a demographic, an audience demographic that should be like little boys i don't know like it's really yeah. not appropriate for like eight ten year old kids to be like watching uh a, a, a seduction live on tv we yeah came, we no came this is here, like this is this we, is pornography like th yes, there's there's not here there's like, not full frontal nudity but it is pornographic i came here to watch some fighting i did not come here to watch like pornography and that this is yeah. what it essentially is so she's she's touching his chest uh, and, and, and she just starts unclothing the warrior and it, it mm -hmm. is wildly uncomfortable at one point. So deeply uncomfortable. I miss how it happened, what, what he touched, but like the warrior starts like sniffing his fingers and he has this like, Oh, well, no, because she smile. You know, she, she kisses, kisses him. She, she steals, steals a kiss. kiss. She, and he yeah. touches his lips as if to get the kiss off and oh, looks he, at his fingers in disgust as if that's he's where the wiping kiss the kiss is. cooties and yeah. germs off his yeah. lips so my theory is that ultimate warrior is completely asexual um he has no experience whatsoever um with um you know with with sex with romance with um you know any sort of like physical 
uh, attraction um, he, to to another human being. So like, when he's like not when she of our same species almost. Yeah. So when she terrestrial, you know, sex appeal. He has no just, like he, like uh, lustings of like the flesh. It. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. He's he's utterly like like flummoxed and 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 mystified by this kiss. He doesn't understand like what it was, um, which is which is evidenced by the fact that he's right touching his fingers to his lips and then like looking at it as if to say like what what was that, um, and then later on he does in fact sniff his fingers. Like, he very very does clearly gosh. sniff his fingers. Um, in that classic, you know, like two fingers extended, like put them up to your nose way that we all know. Um, and then, but then the funny thing is that I like sort of like this like schoolboy smile, like also creeps across his face. Um, like, like, uh, you know, moments after the kiss. So he's like, clearly like he, he has this like almost like involuntary reaction to it. He's like, Oh, like he's confused and frightened, but he's also like sort of titillated, um, by it um like sort of like you know involuntarily like he, he's just sort of like uh, like this reaction kind of kind of over overcomes him um and then yeah and then he brings his finger uh fingers up towards his nose right as sensational sensational sherry goes down to her knees um and that is the point where i just wrote in my notes oh boy <laughs> I, 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 oh boy i wrote well it also requires me to say that at this point in time that Ben just mentioned, the microphone held by Mean Gene Okerlund sits six inches in front of Sherry's <laughs> lips and six inches in front of Warrior's crotch. Mm-hmm. And Gene is facilitating this whole uh, sexual situation. I just wrote Mean Gene cucked. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mean Gene... Does, he is very much the third wheel here. He doesn't. He does not. He does not want to be there. Um, he's very much doing this against his will. He's very, very uncomfortable. Um, so Sherry, like when she goes down to her I knees, gotta she give brings him credit, her. Though, let me say this: he had to keep her on mic. Like he had to. Oh yeah. It, it I mean, ever the professional. Job. There was no other solution. They had to have somebody holding a microphone to so everyone could hear what was being said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's very, very professional. He's able to keep <laughs> keep it together. Um, and yeah, so at this point, Sherry brings her hands up in like this clasped in prayer pose, um, which puts her fingers just inches, inches away from Warrior's dick. Um, and now if I wasn't, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if you guys caught this, but does she do like a very subtle sign of the cross gesture? Yes. After, after yeah, her hands are clasped in, in like the, the prayer pose. And then I could have sworn she does like a very, like very subtle, subtle kind of thing. Yeah. Sign of the cross again with her face a good five, six inches from from Warrior's uh, genitalia. Um, yeah. At this point, uh, uh, Warrior sniffs his fingers again. Um, she's saying, just say yes. Just say yes to this title demand. Just say yes. That is all I want from you, Warrior. That is all I want. Um, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, man, like for a valet, sh- like Sherry is really going above and beyond her her duties here. Like, she is like, like honestly, should get a raise from Macho Man because she's like really, really giving us uh, her all. Um, and um, however, uh, gentlemen, as as we'll see, it uh, it did not have the intended effect, did it? Tell everybody what an honorable man that you are. 
What a brave and wonderful champion you are, warrior. What is it to you? Come on. Aren't you gonna give the Macho King his title match? Just say yes to me, that's all I want from you. That is all I want from you, warrior. So I won't just I want to point out that Warrior kind of relishes. You mentioned that schoolboy smile. So he's sort of like relishing in the moment. He has mm-hmm. that like big ass goofy toothy grin on his face. Mm-hmm. We see those pearly mm-hmm. whites. And then at a certain point when he's kind of debating what to do, he starts like inching closer to her. He's kind of like there's something very uncomfortable about this also from his end. It's not mm-hmm. just her because it looks like he may consent to the whole sort of Oh yeah. Act. And then we get this resounding rebuke where he spits on the ground and yes. goes into his trademark cocaine addled shaking <laughs> vibration I, yes and i i uh, i call this the violent jiggling yes <laughs> um and yeah like his like all of the flesh on his face his cheeks everything is just shaking everywhere and then he just sort of gets in her face and just shakes and screams at her no and then he's pounding his chest no! yeah it is like the most intense like r- resounding fucking yeah like no in a woman's face um yeah and then just beats his chest raises his arms to the heavens and the utter shame the utter embarrassment of the macho king who destroys the dressing room and immediately loses it throws chairs he's breaking things in the room he has been disrespected (laughs) like you know you you just you you can't imagine and he comes running out comes sprinting out. He's looking for for the ultimate warrior anywhere he yeah, can find him. Storming around. Yeah, I'm gonna get him right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's pointing at Sherry Martell. He's blaming her. Yeah, I mean, he is absolutely livid here. I mean, they had mm-hmm. this plan lined up. They thought it was gonna work, and the warrior yep, the trap was set. Just and... disappointed. He just he wouldn't take the bait. Mm-mm. Did not go along with things. Yeah, of course. By the time Macho Man gets out there to the platform, warriors nowhere to be seen. Um, so he's, he's storming around looking, looking for him, but to, uh, to no avail as, as Sherry just sits there sobbing on her knees at the, at the rejection she was just handed. Unbelievable. Um, All right, yeah. Moving on, um, moving on in the interest of time here, we, uh, of course, we, we, must be interested in time. Yeah. Match number two, match number two. <laughs> we have the barbarian and big boss man. Mm. So boy, oh boy, is this going to be something for us to talk about? The big boss man hailing from the Department of Corrections of uh, from <laughs> Cobb County, Georgia.
County's finest. My goodness. I mean, gonna gonna be hard for me to talk about Big Boss Man, folks. I mean, yeah, this is, yeah. In some ways, if 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 Macho King was was you know Ben's guy, I mean, the Big Boss Man was in my you know was on my Mount Rushmore, still is on my Mount Rushmore of like <laughs> most important WWF figures. This was a man that really shaped my worldview about justice and authority and you know police you know that the police were good the police were great and Mm -hmm. we you know it was important to obey the law and if you didn't obey the law you gotta beat that guy up so Mm -hmm. um we have a match between a (laughs) a barbarian (laughs) and a and a and a uh figure of the law uh, law enforcement. I mean, talk about a, cu- a couple of foils. You know, we, we have this figure of law and order versus a man who knows neither law nor order. He's a literal barbarian. A literal barbarian. He yeah, these, these terms himself, mean nothing to him. He prides himself on, like, lawlessness. Um, yes. So it's just a match made in heaven for the WWF. I mean, um, you know, two forces just butting heads here. So... Uh, we have the barbarian who Ben is managed by. Remind me who this is here. Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan, right, right. Bobby the Brain Heenan. And now a quick bit of important backstory. Um, back in like mid 1990 or so, um, a feud developed between Bobby Heenan and Big Boss Man, um, in which Bobby Heenan began insulting Boss Man's mother. Um, and then, um, it was all, uh, supposed to be leading to a, to a big feud between boss man and, uh, a, a, uh, a absolutely legendary wrestler who unfortunately was not a participant in this event, um, ravishing Rick Rude, um, who, uh, who departed WWF, um, in late 1990, um, uh, due to, uh, you know, what else, contract dispute um, uh, with, with Vince McMahon, uh, you know, money, money dis- dispute. But the plan was for uh, Rude and Bossman to have a big feud. Um, so that was like started in, in like the mid, <clears throat> middle of 1990 um, with Heenan very much like involved as, as uh, Rick Rude's manager. Um, so uh, Heenan had this stable of wrestlers, as all managers do, uh, that he referred to as the Heenan family. Um, so when Rick Rude left WWF um, over this uh, money dispute, um, which was hilarious because the storyline that the WWF came up with to explain that departure was that Rick Rude was banned from the WWF by President Jack Tunney for insulting Big Boss Man's mother. Like, that was it. It was a disciplinary action. I mean, think about all the things that happened <laughs> in the WWF, uh, both in-ring and out. And the thing that got uh, Ravishing Rick Rude banned from the Federation was um, was in, was uh, insulting Big Boss Man's mother on camera. So he was out of there. Um, so uh, in the absence of, of Rick Rude, uh, Big Boss Man um, made it his mission to fight not just Bobby Heenan, but the entire Heenan family, the entire stable of wrestlers. Um, and this was a, uh, a sort of like a, like a whole, like, you know, instead of just one-on-one feud, it was like a one-on, you know, however many five guys, six guys that, that Heenan managed at the time, which would culminate, um, at WrestleMania seven when, uh, when boss man fought the intercontinental champion, Mr. Perfect, um, uh, who was kind of the, the star of, uh, of the Heenan family. Um, but so this was just like a lead up still like, uh, sort of in the buildup to WrestleMania. So boss man had to go through to get to Mr. Perfect. He had to go through a, uh, sort of a lesser of the of the Heenan family, um, uh, the Barbarian. 
Yeah. I mean, Ghost, I'm wondering if you could give us, again, just a thought or two here on the Barbarian's aesthetic, his look. Um, It looks like he is wearing what is a robe of sort of animal fur. Uh, Mm. He has some antlers uh, in this headdress with a a skull right, right in the center. He has a skull on his waistband, on his little fur shorts. Um, just just a thought or two here, Ghost. On, on yeah, you know, honestly, it's funny you mention all those skulls. He's he's just the perfect barbarian. He's almost like a stage costume for the gross-out band, performative band Guar, where they would <laughs> uh, people on stage and blood and guts would spill all over the crowd. That's what I see when I look at the barbarian. The guy's in tremendous physical shape. I'm happy to see that he's maintained the shape into his 60s based on any kind of pictures I can find in very recent times. Yeah, still still alive, the barbarian. Uh, real name, uh, Shion Velahi. Uh, he's uh, from Tonga. He's a Tongan wrestler. Yeah, uh, and he, he just... Um, but I did appreciate, with respect to his costume, the creative placement. You don't often see this. And on his pelt, uh, right in the dead center of his back, is just the face of a, a human skull. Basically, bisect a human skull uh, sideways, and you got the full front plate of the human skull. Place that into the pelt on his back. You don't wow. see that placement a lot. Yeah. And just in terms of costume design, that is just a striking, scary image. So I really appreciate this guy's total package it goes well with his physique he it looks like he'd be swinging an axe oh my god yeah he's a he is a beast i mean those traps like he is like a real like he had the look um yeah i also totally didn't appreciate him as a kid i was kind of like all right yeah he's just like another like kind of bad guy but like looking at him today i'm like dude this guy is fucking awesome um and he's got a great beard that looks like, you know, he had it when he was born. Uh, you know, he's got like, I love how he has this like kind of medieval fantasy, like almost like proto Game of Thrones look. But at the same time, he has this like great jerry curl, um, yes. which like kind of didn't fit at all with like the rest of his look. But it, like somehow he just made it work. Um and yeah, it really, really came together. Yeah, the rest of the package was just so on point that you, the, the Jerry cool, the Jerry curl could be forgiven. It uh, yeah, it worked. In a oh, oh, it wasn't forgiven. It was very much a a a, bon- a bonus in in my eyes. I, I you know I was a, a huge fan. All right, now let's talk about uh, let's talk about the big boss man here, guys. So the big boss man was. Like I mentioned, from the Department of Corrections, uh, from the Cobb County, Georgia uh, jail, um, mm-hmm. he, uh, you know, has that classic uh, high top, the the you know the the flat top, I should say. He's got that powder blue, short sleeve Depre- uh, Department of Corrections uh, shirt on, and uh, he has that nightstick and and, mm. and the pants with that yellow stripe along the side and he knows how to spin that thing like he would i don't know like how he if he like practiced that but he like he had a a way with that nightstick where you were like oh this is legit like yes. this man knows his way around a nightstick yes <laughs> yeah um any thoughts impressions about the match uh how 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 we get started here um you know i, I just uh, i don't know I, I, I feel like I can't. I, I need you guys to start here with uh with, with, with the boss man and I can chime in. <laughs> you're you're feeling a little overcome yeah. by 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 boss man. Well I'll start by saying um I'm I was just really blown away and impressed with this man's agility. Um yeah. 
you know, he is a he is a big boy. I believe he um, had actually lost some weight in the lead up to, to this event. Um, I think he was a lot heavier, um, you know, a few months earlier. Um, and it, you could you could tell it, it, it seemed like he was really like taking advantage of his of his, uh, you know, sl- slightly lighter weight because he is just flying around that ring um, like a like a goddamn ballerina. You know, you really like I just was continually like astounded by by his agility, um, his uh, his speed for like I'm trying to uh, I mean, he was billed as, you know, definitely like what, 320, something like that. Um a very very large man. He's really um, tall, you know, like that. Yeah, that, that's one of the right. He's not just like fat. I mean, he's big, but he's not just like one of those one of these like earthquake types. He's like tall he's, and just thick. He's like a tight yeah. end, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, he's real light on his feet out there. Very nimble. Um, and um, yeah, and uh, you know, the, the match starts out. It, it kind of it gets a little slow, I'd say, toward toward the middle, but. Um, but um, there's some great action, like kind of in the beginning. Um, there's a yeah, I mean, um, again, Barbarian is also a big guy, but um, but he gets up on the top ropes a couple times. There's some some good you know aerial acrobatics. Um, and um, um, can we talk a little bit about the so the the shirt uh, the uh, of the boss man the the service uniform yeah. shirt. Um, didn't this thing couldn't stay buttoned. It, was it ever buttoned or did it just pop open like the first second of the match? Like I feel like the first time Barbarian landed a blow, that shirt is just open and flowing like a goddamn dress. It is just like um, <laughs> yeah, it's an important uh, like, came, part of his like whole look and vibe. Yeah, I mean, did that was that part of the appeal, Chris? I do when think you were, yeah, there was part of it was that the idea that he was like. He was a disgruntled cop who's having a hard day. There was something mm. about his energy that w- was like, it wasn't just that like, you know, he wasn't just cop gone wrong or something. He was like, this is a cop having a long, hard day. And <laughs> he would love... Dealing with the real dregs of society. He would love to keep it really simple and orderly, but these goddamn mm-hmm. barbarians are giving him no choice. They're, yeah. they're you know, his shirt's unbuttoned. And then you sort of develop an empathy for the cop because you realize, like, man, he is having a hard time. He just wants to protect us, and these barbarians mm-hmm. won't let him, you know? And <laughs> so, like, you, you really understand, uh, like, his perspective. And, and like I said, you develop sort of an empathy for him as a good guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you sort of yeah, admire you, you admire his like technical skill, the way that he like whips the the um, the the nightstick around. It's and and the way he fought in the ring, the way he like jumped up and down. You got the sense that this was not his first time in like in in like a a tricky situation. You know mm, what I mean? In a scrap, yeah. yeah. Like you get the sense that like he has to do this crap a lot at his job. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So with respect to the buttons, I'm still fixated on that because as with most things, I'm just fixated on the, the imagery and the aesthetics. So when he was just at his absolute, like almost approaching earthquake status, fatness, he <laughs> typically would do two buttons down in terms of openness. But then <laughs> he lost the weight. He lost about like 55 pounds, really feeling himself. 
this is just based on uh, promotional photos, so you would assume this is like the intended image he wanted to be, you know, enshrined. So when the weight got lost, it was very standard for him to go down four buttons. So just just ab- down to like the abdomen, you know, mm. yeah, that's standard stuff for him to be running in uh, with it. Half half fun button. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, of course, he still had this this strap, this diagonal strap across uh, his chest. So that sort of like kept the the shirt from like completely falling off. What was that about? Um, to me, it was always sort of like reminded me that he was on duty or something. That like, yeah, I, I'm not sure if that strap is a standard, you know, service uniform. I mean, it looked a little bit more like a crossing guard. Um, so did it? Uh, did it? Accessory. Was it like a holster? Is that is that what like I? It, it's not quite suspenders, right? It's no, it's just a single strap. The same thing as suspenders, without looking as goofy as suspenders. Yeah. I think mm. it, it, I think it's that was its function. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I imagine when he is on duty, maybe he has like you know, his, like a, a walkie-talkie, maybe attached to that thing. Maybe it's like like sort of a u- utility belt almost. Right. Um, Where he would like clip stuff. You on know, it. maybe some handcuffs are on there. Um, you know, when he's not in the ring, that's a uh, that's a possibility. Um, uh, as far as attire, we should also probably note. Um, now, this is something that we have discussed offline, but I noticed around the forty-two oh three mark of um, of our event here. Uh, there's a sort of a close-up shot of of Boss Man climbing into the ring, and you can very clearly see, along with the um, the three, you know, sort of stripes, um, you know, the sort of standard police police uh, sergeant stripes on his sleeve. There's also a Confederate flag patch. Um, so you know, hey, um, I'm not gonna you know be out here canceling Big Boss Man. Uh, it was a different time. You know, of course, he does hail from from Cobb County, Georgia. So I'm sure for him, it was. You know, more just a symbol of uh, of his southern pride yeah, and, reverence, and his heritage. A reverence I, for his yeah. history. That's all. I, I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on that one, and um, mm. and assume that uh, that it was not um, used uh, there as a uh, a symbol of of uh, hate. Another point on his uh, getup. You know, going back to what we just talked about. So that thing is the Sam Brown belt. And it's largely used in you know ceremonial dress. Uh, uniform. So, in other words, not when you're out on duty. It's just a uh, look badass, basically. Okay. For photos. <laughs> Sam Brown belt. I did not know that. All right. Thank you for that ghost. You got it. All right. Anything else here on the match? So, uh, ultimately, um, the 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 boss man uh, triumphs over the barbarian here. That insane, insane trademark nightstick. I just can't get over that. The way he used mm-hmm. that thing, beating people. Um, boss man triumphs over over the barbarian here. Um, any final thoughts about the match? Uh, memories about the boss man, about the barbarian. Well, one moment from the match I will point out that I that I really enjoyed. Uh, there's a, there's a, a couple of long stretches where there's just bear hugs yeah. um, in the in the middle of the ring. Um, 
And at one point, Bossman, uh, uh, Barbarian has, has a really good bear hug on. Bossman's trying to break out of it. He gives him a few headbutts uh, to, to break this bear hug. That doesn't do anything. So he then resorts to a different tactic, which is biting the Barbarian directly in the face. Um, right right there in front of the ref in plain view. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I think as, as one of the, the, the commentators says, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Um, so uh, I appreciated that, uh, that technique. You know, even though he does believe in law and order, he is not, um, you know, he's a bit of a, I would say, moral, morally ambiguous uh, cop type figure. Um, he is willing to, you know, bend the rules uh, at times when he needs to. Um, so, uh, yeah, I really like that, um, <laughs> that little moment, just a full on bite to the face. Um, and, um, yeah, um, not a great match, but you know, like you said, you gotta love boss man. You gotta love what, what, the, the energy and the, and the, um, you know, the, the work that he puts in out there. It's a, it's a fun finish, fun pin barbarians on the top rope, um, uh, you know, jumps and, and nails boss man with a flying cross body, but the momentum rolls him over so that the boss man winds up on top. And he, uh, he gets the three count. So, um, yeah, big boss man, uh, again, um, making me believe as a, as a child that, uh, cops are good, that they are always the good guy. Um, and, uh, yeah, blue lives matter. What can I, what can I say? Yeah. Wow. All right. Also, I love that the, that the bell rings and the camera cuts to, to Bobby Heenan and he's already halfway down the aisle sprinting back to the, to the dressing room. Like as soon as he realizes, like the boss man is victorious. He's getting the fuck out of Dodge, which is uh, just classic, classic Bobby, Bobby move right there. Yeah. I love, I, I forgot that, that you could do this thing where if you have your foot on the rope, uh, it, it stops uh, the, the count on a yeah. pin and, and, and uh, boss man employs that move at one. Yeah, point. actually it's, it happens twice. Yeah, he, he sticks his foot and then there's another time when I think Barbarian just puts his fingertip um, uh, on, if I'm not mistaken um bu- 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 uh, i'm pretty sure yeah anyway um yeah that's a, that's a fun little touch i remember that as like a one of those like you know key like critical like wrestling rules that you like never forget is uh, if you touch the rope you can't be in a submission hold yep or if you're like feet are outside the ring yeah uh i just actually noticed this sign at me too 19 yeah mark. i'm right there with you ghost you're right there with me chris and i gotta before we talk about it i want to bring up one from the beginning that okay. just the, the moment passed but i'll bring it up now uh there's at 520 there's this uh warmonger child that incidentally is a fan of the ultimate warrior <laughs> expressing both his passions in one homemade sign and it says ultimate reality usa will slaughter iraq and so that Ooh, was wow, terribly uh, interesting and terribly disturbing <laughs> sign at once. But then at 5119, Ben, you got to see this. I mean, Wait a minute, yeah, I got to pull this up. I mean, it, it, it validates our conversation earlier that uh, what we're seeing as entertainment is a total reflection of the the populace, the population at the time. Uh, barbarian is going to jail with two hands <laughs> framing the sign, and it just—that's what they wanted. Law see and that. Order. Yeah. There's yes. Another Law and Order match in this night uh, coming up very soon, where the Mountie. Oh um, yeah. Takes on Coco <sighs> Beware, I believe. Another one and, of my uh, favorites, the Mountie. The Piper. Piper can't. He's so excited for another, uh, you know, p- uh, law enforcement related match. He just blurts out with no context. Law and order. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to uh, talk quite a bit about this this Mountie match that we'll be getting to in a, in a, in a few moments. But, um, yeah, there's a lot to, to unpack there. Uh, that they like get they get a lot more into the reality of law enforcement in that match, so we can save that discussion for for when we get to it. You can listen to Switch FM. Switch FM. Switch FM. Switch FM. Switch FM. Switch FM.